Amen. Amen. Before I begin, let, let me first want to thank our worship leader, Sister Parson, for a job well done. Thank you to the uh, George Mason University and Northern Voices of Unity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us with, with songs of worship this morning. To the musicians and the young people, thank you for leading us in this worship experience. In the absence of our pastor, Dr. Murphy, we bring you greetings. Um, pray for Dr. Murphy, he's out preaching. And also pray for me as I teach the word of God this morning. Let us stand to our feet. If you have your Bibles this morning, which I pray you do, turn with me to the, the gospel account of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Just one verse. Matthew chapter 6. Just one verse. If you dare say amen, I read it for you or hearing from the New Living Translation. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Let us pray. Now, Father, we thank you in advance for your word that is about to go forth. Your word is meant to encourage us, to convict us, to grow us. We thank you now for your word that is about to go forth. Uh, we pray, God, that you remove us from the way, that your word will go forth, that someone hearing will get convicted, that someone will be encouraged, that someone will grow in your word. And we pray to God that your word will take roots in our hearts, that we will not only be hearers of your word, but that our lives will reflect who we say we are, children of the Most High. Bless your word in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk on the topic, let go and let God. It's not going to be one of those sermons where you will be shouting at the end of the day. It's going to give you an opportunity to think about some of the things that we as believers call ourselves and the things we do that is not pleasing to God. And so, we're going to be looking at it. And the, 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 the sermon is actually about forgiveness. 
which is a difficult topic that we as believers don't never seem to address. And so we, we, we're going to attempt to talk about forgiveness. What does it look like? What does it mean to forgive somebody? And why should Jesus tell us that we ought to forgive our neighbors as he forgave us? So that's what we plan to do today. And then we'll be out of here. So like I say, it's not going to, you're not going to shout on this one because it's going to get you to think about your behavior, mind behavior, as it relates to our spiritual growth. And so, let me give you some historical background to the book of Matthew. Matthew was primarily written for a Jewish congregation. The writer of Matthew, who happens to be an eyewitness or a disciple of Jesus Christ, who witnessed the resurrection was writing to a unique group of Jewish believers in Jerusalem. That's why Matthew begins his gospel the way he begins it. He goes back and traces the genealogy of Jesus, the family tree, the family history of Jesus to convince the Jewish people that Jesus is the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. And so Matthew in chapter 1, presents Jesus' genealogy. He moves on to chapter 2, where he, he talks about Jesus' parents escaping into Egypt. And then later on in chapter 2, he talks about the parents returning back to Jerusalem. In chapter 3, he begins chapter 3 with John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus' ministry. And then later on down, further in chapter 3, he talks about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist to begin his own ministry. In chapter 4, he deals with Jesus having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, is driven into the wilderness by the devil to be tempted. And then in chapter 5, he deals with the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus began to teach in what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he goes on and on and on. In chapter 6, he talks about, Jesus talks about the kind of piety that is accepted by God. And so he talks about giving to the needed and how you ought to pray and how you ought to fast. And that brings us to Verse 12, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer seems very simple enough, but we all know that simple things can sometimes be deep. Can you agree with me that simple things can be deep sometimes? Everyone agrees that this is a difficult word from the Lord. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It is hard to understand and even harder to apply. 
It is harder to understand and even harder to apply. Our basic problem is quite simple. It appears that Jesus has drawn something into this text that doesn't belong there. We will understand this petition perfectly if it had read, forgive us our debts and just stop right there. That would have made, made perfect sense. We all understand that our sins, we all understand that we need to confess our sins and we need to ask for forgiveness. We know that confession and repentance are all part of what prayer is all about. What makes this prayer so frustrating to me is that Jesus seems to drag something that doesn't belong in the text. When he adds the phrase, as we forgive our debtors. At first glance, there doesn't seem to be any necessary connection between the first part of the petition and the, and the last part. It seems like as if Jesus is saying, that the way we treat people is the way that God is going to treat us. On one level, we, on one level, this thought is puzzling. While on the other level, it is profound, profoundly disquieting. Nevertheless, it appears to present a major theological difficulty. Why does Jesus say we should pray to be forgiven as we forgive others? Why would he say that? Why would he say forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? Why would the almighty God tie himself to what we do on this earth? Why would he tie himself to what we do? I think that's a good question. Because it is difficult. Let me state my conclusion right now. This verse says exactly what it means. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's what it means. The teaching of this verse can be given in one simple sentence. Unless you and I forgive, God will not forgive us. Let me repeat myself. Unless you and I forgive, God is not going to forgive us. Period. There's nothing hidden in this, in this voice. There's nothing tricky in this voice. Jesus is saying, unless you and I forgive, you will not be forgiven. St. Augustine, a first century theologian, called this text a terrible petition. He pointed out that if you pray these words, harboring an unforgiving spirit, you are actually asking God not to forgive you. 
I just want you to ponder that for a, for a moment. Just think about it for a moment. Think about all of the sins you commit. All of the sins I commit. I ask God to forgive me. You ask God to forgive you. But yet, you have a problem forgiving other people. Think about it for a while. If we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, while refusing to forgive those who have wronged us, this prayer which is meant to be a blessing is actually a curse in your life. In that case, we are really saying to God, oh God, since I have a, a, a brother or a sister that I have not forgiven, don't forgive me. That's what we are saying to God. We're saying to God that, Lord, the only way that I can be forgiven by you is that I learn to forgive my fellow men. And many times we as believers don't want to deal with the issue of forgiveness. We think forgiveness is far-fetched beyond our human imagination. But yet we want God to forgive us for the things that we have done. But when someone has done something to us, we have a problem to let them off the hook. But yet, we go to God day in and day out asking for forgiveness. Failing to forgive those who have wronged us. It doesn't matter what the offense is. You see, Jesus did not state what the offense is. He said in the text, that forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it doesn't matter what the offense is. As believers, we have, we have been charged with the responsibility of forgiving other people as God has forgiven our sins. Charles Spurgeon, a great English preacher, said that if you pray this lost prayer with an unforgiving spirit, you have virtually signed your own death warrant. Think about it. Think about harboring in your mind the spirit of unforgiveness. But yet, you go to God, wanting God to forgive you for all of your wrongdoing, but yet your neighbor have wronged you and you hold on to it and refuse to let it go. You see, we, 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 we got to let go of the spirit of unforgiveness so that God can come and take a resident in our hearts. You see, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, who was a missionary here in North America, most especially uh, to be exact in, in Georgia, was friendly with a general called General Taub, whom John Wesley had some dealings. General Taub's reputation was he was a great military leader, but who had a reputation of being harsh and brutal. One day, General Taub said to John Wesley, I will never forgive 
to which John Wesley said to General Top, then, sir, you, you need not to sin anymore. If we don't let go and let God, then we are saying to God that we don't want to be forgiven when we sin against him. Let go and let God means that when, you, when we pray, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, we are asking God to forgive our sins according to the same standard that we set for our neighbors. This text says that we set the standard, then God follows the standard. So when I, whenever I say, I, whenever I pray the Lord's prayer and say, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtor, I am setting the standard by which God is going to follow. We set the standard, God follows the standard. We establish the pattern, God follows the pattern in the way we deal with each other. When we pray this prayer, we are actually saying, oh God, deal with me as I have dealt with my neighbors. Deal with me as we have dealt with others. When we say this prayer, we are actually saying, oh God, I have a neighbor that I have done some favor for, but that neighbor is ungrateful, and therefore I'm angry with that neighbor, and I refuse to forgive that neighbor for being ungrateful. Come on, you, you do that. You do that. You, 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 you got some people that you've shown some favor to, and for some reason you think they are ungrateful, so you get mad with them, refuse to speak to them, refuse to talk to them. Let, let, let me not go further. Let me, let me say right in this church, we got people that are sitting on the same pew, cannot speak to the other person on, on that pew, only because that person said something about them or had done something to them that they refused to let go and let God. You see, when we call ourselves believer in Christ, holding on to grudges do us no good. Because when we hold on to grudges, we are holding out on our blessings. We do not allow God to bless us. When we harbor a spirit of unforgiveness, we block the blessings of God in our lives. Unless you forgive, unless I forgive, the grace of God is blocked out of my life when I harbor the spirit of unforgiveness. To refuse to forgive someone else and then to ask God for forgiveness is, is, is a kind of spiritual schizophrenic. Because you, 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 you asking God for something that you yourself not willing to do, so you're schizophrenic. You're asking God to forgive you of your sin, and yet you're harboring grudges against your, your neighbor. So how, how can, you, can, can you breach those two things? You want God to do you a favor to let you off the hook, but yet you don't want to let the person off the hook that have wronged you. You're asking God to give you what you are you yourself is unwilling to give. Tell me, 
You want something from God, but you're unwilling to give it to your neighbor. You see, the, this fifth petition of this prayer tells us that we cannot have it both ways. You either decide to forgive and let your neighbor off the hook or allow God not to let you off the hook. Do you want to really be forgiving? Then you must forgive others. For some skeptic in the, in, 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 in the congregation, they ask him, does God really, does the Bible really say, or does the Bible really teach that God's forgiveness of us is linked to our forgiveness of others? Yes. Get your Bible, drop down to verses 14 and 15. This is what it reads. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, for if you forgive men or women when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men or women when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So I, I didn't make it up. It's, in the, it's, in, it's in, the, in the Bible. It's there. It's there. Jesus said if we refuse to forgive people when they sin against us, then of course our heavenly father will not forgive us. Unfortunately, we have, we, we have Christians who choose not to forgive others when they sin against them. To be an unforgiving Christian means God's grace is blocked out of your life. To be an unforgiving Christian means that you make a choice to live with grudges rather than enjoy the blessings of God every day in your life. To be an unforgiving Christian means that you are you, you, that, that, that you refuse to let other off the hook when they sin against you, but yet claim that your sin have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. How dare you? How dare you refuse to forgive others when Jesus has washed away your sins? I dare you refuse to let all of off the hook because of what they have done. It doesn't matter what they've done to you. Just imagine all of the sin that you've committed since you became a Christian. Yet God in all of his mercy allowed you off the hook. But yet, yet you refuse to let other people off the hook. Listen to what R.T. Kendall says. There are ten consequences when we refuse to forgive people. Ten consequences when we refuse to forgive people. Consequence number one. Our fellowship with God is blocked. Our fellowship with God is blocked. In 1 John 5 and 1 John 1 verses 5 and 7, it tells you that. It tells you that. When we refuse as believers, we call ourselves Christians and followers of Christ. 
We refuse to forgive other people because we think that whatever they've done is unforgiven. It's unforgivable. But we never think about the sin that we commit against God. We never think about what it caused him to go to the cross of Calvary just to wash away our sins. But yet we hold on to things that people have done to us. Some people hold on to it years in and year out and don't even remember what that person has done. They don't even remember it no more. But yet they're not speaking to the sister because the sister says something about them. The Bible says that if you have any quarrel with your brother or sister, go to that person and tell them about it. You ought to be man or woman enough to, conf to, 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 to confront that person when they've done something to you. Instead of te telling everyone else that is not involved with what they've done to you. That's how we as Christians ought to live. We ought to be men and women enough to go to that person and say, look, what you said about me is not true. It caused me pain. You don't know who I am. Instead of going to tell everybody who have no connection to what has happened. No connection. You break your fellowship with God. You block your, your, your fellowship when you refuse to forgive. The second thing is that you, you grieve the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 and 30. You grieve the Holy Spirit. When we, when we refuse to forgive, our prayer would not be answered. God's not going to answer your prayer. Because you, you, you refuse to do the common things that he told you and I to do. Forgive other people as you would like God to forgive you. So if we refuse to forgive others... Don't waste your time to pray. God is not going to hear your prayer. The Bible tells us that if you regard iniquity in your heart, God will not hear your prayers. If you're holding grudge in your heart for other people, then God's not going to hear your prayers. So don't waste your time until you clear up that iniquity, then God will hear your prayer. If we refuse to forgive other people, God will leave us alone to face our problems of life on our own power. When you refuse to forgive somebody, you give that person so much power over your life. That's why when that sister is coming this way, you walk the other way. She got power over your life because of the spirit of unforgiveness. Because of the spirit of unforgiveness. Number five, when we refuse to forgive, we allow the devil to gain stronghold through our bitterness. Remember, Jesus said in John 10, 10, the devil comes to our steal, kill, and destroy. So if we refuse to forgive people, we allow the devil to gain stronghold in our lives. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it, it can be a family member. It can be your, your parent. You refuse to forgive them for whatever they've done to you. You allowed the devil a stronghold in your life. Number six. When you refuse to forgive, you force God to be your enemy. 
you don't want God to be your enemy. But because of your, 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 your spirit of unforgiveness, God becomes your enemy. Because he says, forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So when we refuse to forgive others, then we make God our enemy. Number eight, you lose the blessings of God on your life. I don't know about you, but I need the blessing of God every day. So I'm not going to let no spirit of unforgiveness cause me to lose out on what God has for me. Number nine, when we refuse to forgive others, we become enslaved to the people we hate. We enslave ourselves to them. That's why when, when the person is coming, you go the other way. Do you know how much trouble people get in trying to avoid other people because they don't want to speak to them? I, you know, I can't imagine how, how foolish that is. You, you, your, your freedom, the person walking straight in front in the aisle and you decide to go all around before you get, just to avoid the person before you get to the place you want to go. And people, we call ourselves Christian, right in this church. People exhibiting those kind of behavior. People, people evolve people when they're out here praying, leading the prayer, because they don't want to speak to that person, so they don't come to the altar call. And we, you, you call yourself believer, and day in and day out you come to church wanting something from God. Something got to be wrong. Number 10, you become like the people you refuse to forgive. You become like the people you refuse to forgive. You see, our, pro our real problem here is not theological. Our real problem is spiritual and personal. We, when we refuse to, to forgive other people, we, we, that means we don't see ourselves as sinners. And we don't appreciate what God has done for us. That's why we refuse to forgive other people. Because we think that we are holier than thou. Think that we've arrived. We've not arrived. We've not arrived. What does forgiveness look like? What does it look like? The answer will vary depending on the person involved and what they have done to you. But let me lift up 10, 10 suggestions of what forgiveness will look like. Right? Forgiveness will look, will, forgiveness means that I can face what that person has done to me and let them off the hook anyway. That's what forgiveness look like. Yes, she may have cussed me out. Yes. She may have done this to me, but I still love them and I let it go. I let it go. Jesus told his, when one of the disciples asked Jesus, how much time should we forgive one another? He said, 70 times seven. So in one day, that was 490 times. Now, we all know the first time someone get on your nerves, you're going to let it go. 
The second time, you're going to be saying something to them. Look here now. Look here. I let it go first. Yeah. I ain't letting it go again. Just imagine Jesus said you should let it go 490 times. That's too much, but that's, that's what the Bible says. Forgiveness means, forgiveness means, yes, yes, one that we always do. Yes, one that we always do. Remember I said we're not going to be shouting today, right? Yes, one we always do. Forgiveness means I don't keep bringing the offense up every time I see them. Now, some of us do that. Wait here, sister. Let me remind you. You know you did it the last time I let you off the hook. Now, forgiveness is, I shouldn't bring it up no more. The Bible said when Jesus forgave our sin, he, he, he doesn't remember that anymore. So don't keep bringing it up. You know, I let you off the hook the last time, and now you're doing it again. Let me remind you of what you've done. Forgiveness means don't talk about it with other people. God doesn't talk about your issue with other people. Don't you think God has the power to, to, to impress on someone's heart and say, look, she just messed up. Go tell her. But he doesn't do that. And so if we, if we say we forgive people, then we ought not to bring, we ought not to call our neighbor and say, girl, let me tell you what she did. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means I show mercy instead of judgment. We got people who are quick to pass judgment on other people. They're just waiting for that person to mess up. I told you she was going to mess up or he was going to mess up. So forgiveness means that I show mercy. When I have the ability to, to strike back, I let it go. I don't judge the person. All right? I don't judge them. I don't judge them. Five. Forgiveness means... I refuse to speak evil of others. Girl, let me tell you what she did. She did one, two, three, four, five, six. How can she say she's a Christian? She do all those things. Now, the, the person who offended you, you broadcasting their name to everybody else. That's not forgiveness. But you say, oh, I let them off the hook. If you let them off the hook, don't talk about it. Don't tell no one about it. It's just between you and them. Because when God forgives us, it's between God and us. He doesn't tell anybody else, oh, that this person did this and did that. It's between you and God. Now, here's another challenge. Here's another challenge. Forgiveness means I choose not to dwell on what the person has done. I'm not going to dwell on it. Because by dwelling on it, you just why? You're just making it worse. That means you haven't moved past what the person has done to you. Yes, yes, the other challenging one. This is challenging for myself. This is challenging. Forgiving that means you pray for, the, for your enemies. This is challenging. 
challenging. She cuts you out in the vestibule there. Say everything to you, but the Bible says you should go pray for the heart. That's when you know that you are growing spiritually. When you can pray for someone that despitefully use you, that's when you know that you, you are making some spiritual progress along the way. Number eight. Number eight. We're we almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. Number eight. Ask God to bless them. Now, let's be honest. How many of us ask God to bless our enemies? Oh, Lord, bless our uh, 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 brother Keith. He's my enemy. Bless him. Really? You be trying to pray that harm should come upon that person. But the Bible says that we ought to pray for our enemies and those that despitefully use us. Number nine. Number nine. This, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is a good one. I see people do this. Do not rejoice at their calamities. People do that. Girl, you see, she's getting exactly what she deserves. She got exactly what she deserves. You remember she cussed me out, she did this, she cut me out in the traffic? Yeah, she got exactly what she deserved. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means you don't rejoice when a person has a calamity that you perceive is your enemy. Don't rejoice in it. Number 10. Number 10. Help them when you can. Help them when you can. You see, in order to let go and let God, we must be willing to forgive people that have done us wrong. Regardless of how, how grievous we may think the sin against us might be. We must let it go. We must let go of our bitterness, let go of our grudges, let go of our backstabbing, let go of our, of, of our wrong talking about someone, and let God in our lives. Because we ought to let go and let God. So when we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We are saying to God that judge me by the same standard which I have judged my neighbor. We've saying to God that in order for me to be forgiving God, my forgiveness by you is predicated on the fact that I forgave my neighbor. So think about it. Don't, don't take that prayer lightly anymore. Think about that prayer when you, when you pray and think about what you're saying to God. You're saying to God that my forgiveness of my sin is predicated upon my ability to let others off the hook. Forgiveness is a, is a very important aspect of our Christian faith. It's in order to, 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 to grow spiritually, we got to be willing to forgive other people. When you, when, when, when you and someone have had a misunderstanding and you can say to that person, I forgive you, and you can embrace that person and begin to work along with that person, that shows your level of spiritual maturity. That shows the level of spiritual maturity. 
And so my prayer this morning to God is that we that call ourselves believers, we that call ourselves followers of Christ, will learn to forgive other people when they've wronged us. We shouldn't say, I'll never forgive her. There is no sin that a person should do or should commit against you that is unforgivable. Think about it for a while. Think about the things we do that no one knows about that we do against God. When we're in our secret places, the things we do that no one is watching but God. But we go to him and we cry out and he forgave us. But yet, we can say to others, I'm never going to forgive you. You should have known better. What would happen if God said, you should have known better? You've been saved, sent the fire, filled with the Holy Ghost. And God says to you, yes, you received me, you sent the fire, you saved. You should have known better than to commit that sin again. So think about it. Think about it. And learn to let other people off the hook. It doesn't work for your life. It doesn't work for your life. Holding grudges will cause you to be depressed. It'll cause you to be depressed. You know how many energy you have spent in trying to avoid somebody? When you can walk and pass them and greet them? Let go and let God in your life. Let go of the behavior that is causing you from experiencing the life that God has called you to live. Let go of all of those petty things that are holding you back from making progress in your spiritual life. And let God in your life. May God the Holy Spirit bless you and remove the scales from your eyes so that you can see that forgiveness is an important aspect of our Christian faith. May we stand to our feet.